This Week in Pediatric Oncology, the podcast exploring hot topics and exciting advances in childhood cancer. TWIPO is produced by Solving Kids Cancer, nonprofits located in New York and London, dedicated to improving research and supporting families, because every kid deserves to grow up. Subscribe to TWIPO through your favorite podcast platform. This Week in Pediatric Oncology, the podcast about new advances for childhood cancer. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 87 recorded on whatever day it is today, uh, <laughs> June, June 23rd. I'm your co-host, Tim Pride from Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, affiliated with The Ohio State University. And I have with me here, my co-host, Brenda Weigel from the University of Minnesota. Welcome, Brenda. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here. And we have two great, well-known guests with us today to discuss our topic. The first guest is Dr. Andy Pearson, former professor of pediatric oncology from the University of Newcastle-upon-Tyne and founding chair of PSYOP Neuroblastoma Committee and uh, uh, a long and and illustrious career in in neuroblastoma research. Welcome, Andy. Welcome. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me. Yes, uh, thank you for being here. And the other guest is Dr. Lou Chesler, who is an honorary consultant in medical oncology at the Royal Marston and uh, a, a researcher at the Institute for Cancer Research and uh, spent a lot of time in the U.S. Uh, in training and at uh, Northwestern and the NCI and UCSF as a pediatric oncologist. So uh, he's, he's a, a worldly uh, scientist. Welcome, Lou. Thank you for inviting me. Nice to talk to you all. Yes, thank you both for being here. So today we wanted to talk about the Accelerate Forums, which we introduced in a general conversation a couple uh, podcasts ago, uh, I believe 84, some, 85, something like that. So if you haven't listened to that one, please watch that and you'll get a general idea of these Accelerate uh, conferences. And we wanted to talk about those again, specifically about the ones that you guys played the ma- most major role in, I believe, the ALK one. But before we get into those details, can you uh, both tell us a bit about your background and, and how you le- got uh, led to these Accelerate conferences and, and what their what your thoughts are about them in general? Andy, let's start with you. Yeah. No, I mean, I've worked in some pediatric oncology until I retired from the Institute of Cancer Research and Royal Mars with Bill Health for over 40 years. Um, and the, the key element of Accelerate, which is something that I've really become particularly involved and even more involved in since I retired is the multi-stakeholder equal partner concept. So for Accelerate, um, the Accelerate is to accelerate drug development for children and adolescents with cancer. um, And it uh, identifies issues and proposes solutions. Uh, And it's a a global organization. We've got very strong links, uh, Europe and the US, um, and over the last few months, we are getting increasingly strong links with Australia, Canada, and, and Japan. And the basic premise of Accelerate is that um, patient advocates, physicians, uh, regulators, and industry are equal partners. Um, and I think that is how we've been able to um, drive the agenda. Um, and currently, we've had uh, seven pediatric strategy forums. Um, uh, the very first one was on, on ALK, and the sixth one was on ALK inhibition again. The, the 
the, um, the seventh one, which we've just held is on CAR T cells. Um, and these have become increasingly um, international, uh, increasingly established in kind of the, the calendar for, 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 for children's cancer. But I think the key element is equal partners is the, um, the main ethos of the, the forums. Have you had a difficult time getting people to participate and uh, or get all the logistics? And are you, you doing it now virtually? Has it slowed yeah. down at all with COVID? No, I mean, I mean, right. So, I mean, the very first forum, which actually Lou, Lou was at, and he spoke at the, the first and the sixth, um, was on ALK inhibition. Um, and uh, when I organized that, that was difficult to engage all the partners. Um, uh, but I think what has been very reassuring uh, as the uh, forums have evolved is that um, more, and more and more people want to be involved. Um, we are halfway through um, an assessment of the impact of the forums. We've sent questionnaires out to all industry and to academia who have been involved. And the 78% um, have found that the forums have actually altered their practice. Um, and we generally find that once a company comes to the forum, um, they subsequently come to other forums. And with the CAR T-cell forum, um, we were able to engage um, quite a number of new biotech companies, you know, including China and Singapore, um, as well as those in the US. So I think that, um, it is an event that's becoming increasingly um, attractive. I mean, before COVID, our strategy was to have one hosted in Europe at the EMA and one hosted in the States. And we had the one in, uh, in Philadelphia. And then within, with COVID, we initially um, paused because we thought the, the forums needed some face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, but then because COVID endemic has been going on for so long, we have converted to virtual. Um, and we have had three virtual forums now, um, and we're planning the, the fourth virtual forum on Tauchin Canada and Hippocrates Sarcoma in November. And then our plan is to go back to face-to-face -face, um, uh, next year, and we're aiming to do three forums next year, two face-to-face -face and one virtual. And I mean, at the last car forum, we had 246 participants, um, um, and, you know, from all stakeholder groups. Um, I think the smallest group was patient advocates and there were about 40 of those. Um, and so I think really we've managed to engage people. And I think like every bad event in life, the endemic has actually allowed us to go virtual and that's probably allowed us to introduce the forum to, to a bigger group. Andy, can you expand on sort of how the topics are picked for the forums and how you landed on choosing ALK at, for the very first one? Can you tell folks about that process and, and how, how the topics are chosen? Yeah, I mean, like too many things in life, that it, we become more formalized um, as time has evolved. Um, um, and I'll say where we are now, and I'll discuss ALK. So the current process is we ask academics, patient advocates, industry regulators once a year in the fall what topics they want to be discussed in the forum. And last time we did, we had 52 topics. We then select 
six or seven of those. And then we, at the Accelerate conference, we vote. Uh, and the, the, the most popular topics are the ones we take forward. So we, we try to have a very democratic and open process now. Um, ALK we chose because it was a, an area where there was a lot of science, um, that there was a relatively small patient group. Um, there were a number of ALK inhibitors, and the number of ALK inhibitors exceeded really the the patients who could be properly evaluated. Um, and also the, um, the concept was that one ALK inhibitor um, would probably not be, is not appropriate for all types of disease because within ALK, that there are different molecular drivers. So those are some of the reasons we, we chose ALK because it was a, a relatively small and defined topic. Uh, and even then it had a lot of challenges, but those are the, the key issues. Lou, as one of the inaugural presenters at, at the first forum on ALK and, and really a leading expert in the field for targeting NMIC and, and, and the oncogenic driver, when you experienced that first Accelerate forum, what do you feel are sort of some of the key um, impactful findings of that very first one? And, and do you think or how do you think that influenced the field? Um, you know, I, I like most things have in pediatric oncology been led by Andy more than once towards this kind of initiative. And, and sometimes, you know, because he looks beyond the horizon, it's not really clear what, what the, the goals are or the output will be. But um, for Accelerate, I think, you know, they, they really have been substantial uh, and they do affect the way people like myself who work in the lab and in the hospital get the clinical trials into conduct, you know, how that works. And I, I think it's so critical that um, it brings everybody together. And in pediatric oncology, we have so many challenges to Know, just get a hold of these drugs, even for targets in the cancers of interest that we have that you know are well characterized. And there's a lot of biology. It's difficult to engage with companies. I used to joke that you know when I'd go to ACR and visit the booths, the you know the the drug reps would see me coming and they'd run the other way, um, uh, which is a significant problem. So just you know engaging with them that they understand who the stakeholders are, who's generating the research, who, you know, what the clinical trial concepts are coming from academia and from the hospitals, incredibly important because then, you know, it leads to the, this is the way that projects are designed and everybody gets together and ideas are generated. And more importantly, there, you know, these conferences were a way of, ALK was one of the first situations where we potentially, you know, we, we had many drugs uh, attacking a single target, and we'd never been in that situation before. And so it provided a means to, you know, for these companies to work together, to work together with us to prioritize the clinical use uh, of these drugs. And that, you know, that's so important where you have multiple um, cooperative groups uh, who all wish to run trials and, you know, some sense of coordination, a way of prioritizing those is really important so that patients have options to be treated. Um, so, you know, all of these things in one form or the other have been outputs of Accelerate. 
So that's really good to hear. Obviously, we've all been uh, faced with lots of challenges with uh, working with industry and getting drugs to move to the clinic. Was it key to have sort of the global present uh, presence there? Uh, uh, what what were some of the key elements like that that you thought were most important at a, at that conference? I think you know just getting the kind of people in an area of biology or clinical medicine together with the key companies that have have drugs is is really important that doesn't happen very often you know we, we represent such small patient populations even if we're at a big hospital um, you know that that kind of um, landscape is fragmented so this you know just the fact that you're brought together and these people meet you face to face and you meet all the leads in these companies does a lot to accelerate the research. Even getting, you know, MTAs, material transfer authorizations from these companies sometimes to study these drugs in the research setting and develop the preclinical data is very difficult. Just, just to navigate these companies and understand how they're structured, they're enormous. Um, I think accelerate, you know, if it has one output, it's that, to put these people together and that generates research and it, it, it generates clinical trial proposals and you know that's just fantastic i think there has to be i mean i think everyone agrees there has to be prioritization i mean just giving two examples of alk and um, i mean alk as you know alk fusion has a clear role in certain infants and babies with um high grade glamours um and you know it's been estimated that in the region about 40 patients a year in the us and europe have this fusion. Um, and there are in the region of seven ALK inhibitors at the moment. And in the, if, if each of those um, uh, companies that had an ALK inhibitor initiated a trial, um, you would be recruiting three patients per trial and you wouldn't learn anything. So I think that there needs to be kind of coordination. And there was a consensus that, you know, that one ALK inhibitor should be um, evaluated first in this group of patients um, and then others if there was a, a unmet need. Um, and with neuroblastoma, um, again, loratinib was highlighted as the agent that needed to be evaluated, um, you know, different from the best ALK inhibitor for CNS tumors. Um, and the, um, the Titan trial um, that SKC and many other partners are funding um, have has greatly allowed um, uh, transatlantic coordination to um, evaluate uh, loratinib in 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 neuroblastoma. Um, so I think that unless there is coordination, unfortunately, um, groups won't uh, children won't benefit. Uh, academia and industry you know, won't learn. Um, and that, and the, this is I think one of the, the roles of the forum to kind of facilitate consensus of prioritization. Could, could I just add as, um, you know, I think that really was quite a surprise and finding for me. You know, you're often skeptical about some of these conferences and it was very clear the first, you know, conference at Accelerate that I um, attended that this was the first place I'd ever seen multiple uh, pharma companies who usually are somewhat competitive with each other on targets like ALK, presenting um, fairly detailed data on these clinical drugs um, 
uh, aligned to each other. Uh, I've never seen that kind of disclosure sort of, you know, in one, in one, in one conference. And it makes it very easy to understand the strengths and benefits of the particular drugs and the differences between them. And then really, really to think in an organized way about how they should be prioritized and in what indications. And, you know, that's a real contribution, I think. I think it, it really speaks to the uniqueness of Accelerate that stakeholders in, in academia and in industry are willing to share that information in a, in a confidential way and in a trusting way that moves the field. And I think as, as Andy just illustrated, when we're dealing with such small populations, that, that's critical. Um, and, and knowing that that work came out of that very first Accelerate, what led into the decision to do a second meeting on ELK? And what was the goal of that? What, what were the intentions of bringing the same topic back? And, and what, what were you hoping to learn from that? And what do you think was additionally gained from that second meeting? Um, and Andy, I'll, I'll start with you on that one. No, I mean, Damon, we wanted to review the landscape and see what the remaining unmet needs were um, and, that, and really what lessons had been learned um, and what was very, um, uh, very positive was that there had been a regulatory uh, approvals um, or submissions for alchemy bitters in the US and in, in Europe, which was not, uh, did not happen in 2017. Um, and we understood the un unmet needs um, you know, very clearly in the different uh, groups of patients, um, what was required. Um, there, there was still a need for more coordination in IMT. Um, and um, we know that molecular uh, diagnostics is absolutely essential in that group. Um, we know that the, the first of the early generation ALK inhibitors really have to be fully evaluated in anaplastic large cell lymphoma, um, neuroblastoma, as I mentioned, and you know, the importance in, in CNS tumor. So we really set the, um, the vision, the strategy for the, for the, the next few, few years um, by, by doing that. Um, and the concept that we're trying to take forward with the forums are, I mean, the prioritization is, um, reliable in the day of the forum. Um, and we want to set forward some kind of living prioritization. Um, uh, and we've achieved that in terms of mature B cells because we, there's a, a group of uh, experts that are now running international trial who can give expertise opinion to industry that this particular uh, uh, compound is applicable or not. We've done the same for acute myeloid leukemia through the LLS um, uh, pedal UPAL initiative. Um, and for ALK, we wanted to do the same. We wanted to update it and give a, um, a, a, a what is the current view. Um, and there's so many lessons that we have learned. I mean, persistently, kind of the early involvement of regulators, the early involvement of cooperative groups, um, this idea of a fo a focused and sequential development. So when you've got a lot of, of drugs, but a small patient population, you've got to choose. One. So these are all kind of evolving themes, um, which have been really strongly supported by reviewing you know, what's happened with ALCA over the, the last um, five years. 
It really sounds like you uh, have have made a lot of use of these conferences. I mean, my my fear was always oh, it all talk, no action, but it sounds like there's been a lot of well, you've convinced me that there's been a lot of a lot of great outcomes uh, from these. Um, Lou, how has it affected sort of what you're studying or what you're wanting to do? And um, it, you know, it, from what Andy just described, it's not just neuroblastoma, Alc. You know, it's 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 all aspects. So you need various other partners and stakeholders there uh, across experts in different diseases. How has that impacted sort of what you're prioritizing for your own research or your own trials? I mean, it's helped us create a framework, I think, again, because, you know, by the time the second ALK forum came around, some trials had al already opened, electinib and ceritinib and, you know, crizotinib plus temsirolimus and, you know, crossing different diagnoses, so AL, CL and neuroblastoma. These are people who don't usually attend the same conferences. And so you might be unaware of the kind of global picture about how these trials are proceeding. And, you know, just the ability to coordinate those and again, to be connected with pharma and with other groups doing the research and other clinicians, you know, I'm sure that um, some of the initiatives that are going forward now, which, you know, I'm, I'm just so thrilled about uh, having moved from the US to the UK, you know, is a, I think it's incredibly important to um, run trials in coordinated fashion across borders, you know, between the United States and the EU and elsewhere in the world to access, you know, a large patient base. And if we do that, uh, we learn faster. Um, and, you know, that requires a huge amount of engagement and coordination. I think that's what the conferences do. I think that we have a lot more engagement now between children's oncology group, between, you know, NANT, SIAPEN, and, and the other groups, ITCC in Europe. Um, I don't know if it's a direct output. It probably is, you know, the combined um, upfront evaluation of lorlatinib and induction therapy in neuroblastoma, which is being looked at by the children's oncology group and by Siopan uh, is an enormous initiative and really a win, I think. It has many coordinated aspects. The biomarker work is all coordinated. The clinical trial is coordinated, um, funded by you know, solving kids' cancer. I think that's just a, a fantastic output from that kind of meeting, driven either wholly or in part by that kind of meeting. And it's changed the the ethos, I think, a bit more from competition to coordination and cooperation. I just I want to kind of re-emphasize, you know, I mean, the catalytic power of the patient advocates in terms of solving kids' cancer, you know, and it's not solving kids' cancer only that, that funded Titan, but I mean, they, they managed to, they have a consortium of seven charities, Band of Parents, Jack, one and uh, Thompson Foundation, SKC UK, US, Zoe for Life and Wade, Wade's Army, which I think involved about, you know, two continents and about four different countries. And I think that, you know, it's almost the clinical work and the scientific work, which Lou says, you know, we're working together, which we need to because of the patient number. But, you know, that is so backed up, you know, by the funding, if you will, which is so such a, a, a nice achievement. Andy, thank you for highlighting um, the advocates and, um, and certainly it, it, they are part of the key stakeholders as well mm -hmm. of, of the forums and, and a huge player. So, 
So thank you for that. One of the other key, um, I think, outputs has been the commitment to publish almost, if you will, a white paper um, mm -hmm. from each of the, the forums. Um, how impactful do you think that's been? How many ha have you successfully published the, the outcome of each of the forums? And, and is that something that you can point to as, as um, pivotal as well? Apart from the, the very first forum we published as a, on the website, uh, but the, the sixth forum, we're publishing the results of the first and the sixth. Um, so we've published them all, and we're very grateful to the European General Cancer, who you know, critically reviews them all um, uh, in that. And um, so uh, that, you know, as, as Tim said, what we didn't want is for them to be meetings and discussions and no output. So we've published them all, and we are working to reducing the time from the uh, forum to publication. It's currently seven months, and we're trying to beat that for the the, the Elk Forum and go to four or five months. Um, and but the other key thing is, you know, what do people do with the publications? And we again, and um, the FDA and EM are working with us, and we know that actually um, in B cell. Uh, mature B cell malignancy circuits, um, that industry have responded enormously, so that they have um, wavered development of those type of compounds that the form felt were not valuable, and prioritised um, those compounds that the form did feel value valuable, so AD, uh, ADCs um, and uh, CAR T cells. So we've got that very clear. Um, the check, we did a form of checkpoint inhibitors, and the conclusion was we didn't need to do any more studies globally of single agent checkpoint inhibitors. And again, the FDA and EMA have shown that you know, the number of trials reduced after that and went for combination. So I think that, I mean, that, that, that I think is kind of the real output of the forum that actually will alter the way that, you know, um, drug is, drugs are developed, you know, by industry and by academia. That sounds great. What are, do you have, how many do you have planned in the future and what are some of the upcoming topics and how could our listeners uh, get in on them or find out about them? Yeah, no, I mean, well, the, the next one is Paracene kinase inhibitors and bone sarcomas, um, which we, are, we have focused on bone sarcomas and hopefully that'll be proof of concept, you know, for the, the, the bigger population of sarcomas. And that's on the 30th of um, November, 1st of December, that's going to be virtual. And the advert is being um, advertised today, actually, for that. Uh, and then in 2022, uh, we're going to, on the 28th and 29th of March, have a, hopefully, the first physical forum at the new EMA buildings in Amsterdam. Then a virtual, and that will probably be on BRAP and MEC inhibitors. Um, the Oversight Committee has got to make the final decision on that. And then, as a result of the survey that we'll take undertake in the autumn, we'll have a virtual uh, forum um, in either sort of June or early September, and then a physical one somewhere in the US in, in the fall next year. And the topic again will be decided by what, what the multi-stakeholders -stake, wish. So thank you. Um, I think we're coming up on our time. I will uh, ask if Dr. 
Craig has any additional questions and also uh, any final thoughts from um, Lou or Andy on the importance of the Accelerate forums? I have no more questions, Your Honor. <laughs> no, but I, did, I didn't want to thank you for highlighting the forums um, you know, through, through today in oncology, yes. And thank you. I want to uh, say it looks like uh, that's it for this week for the uh, 87th podcast. And thank you to Drs. Andy Pearson and Lou Chesler, uh, as well as uh, my co-host, Dr. Tim Kripe, for another outstanding uh, conversation and really highlighting the importance of international collaboration across multi-disciplines and multi-stakeholders through the Accelerate Forums and how this collaboration really does change the face of uh, pediatric cancer care and research. And so thank you for that. Thanks to the team at Solving Kids Cancer, a nonprofit charity dedicated to improving survival through creating novel treatment options for children. Remember, the more we learn, communicate, share ideas, and work together, the faster we'll reach the day when all childhood cancer is preventable or curable. As always, keep up the fight, and thanks for listening to This Week in Pediatric Oncology. We welcome your comments, questions, or thoughts on topics for future episodes. Just drop us a note at twipo at solvingkidscancer.org. You can follow Dr. Kripe on Twitter at kidsonkdoc. Send an email to Dr. Weigel at weige007 at umn.edu. And find all Twipo episodes at solvingkidscancer.org.